to Invasion of the Poddy People, Snakebite Horror's new monthly podcast about all the latest going-ons in the world of horror. We're going to chat through the news that excites us, what we think you should seek out, to watch, read, play or listen to, as well as some of the other things that excite us. As this is our first episode, the gang are all here, so we've got five hosts, which feels too many, and you'll be hearing in some combination in the next couple of months. So let's meet everyone. So first up, we've got the founder of Snakebite Horror, it's... Hi, I'm Mark, I'm the, uh, the host of Snakebite Horrorcast, the Bag of Reed podcast, and co-host of the Franchise Bears podcast. Cool, then we've got... Vincent, one of those motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Why I say that will become clear later on. <laughs> and next to him on my feed is... James Rodriguez. I'm a reviewer slash word monkey for Snakebite Horror, and I'm saying fuck the police. Bravo. <laughs> and then there's... Chloe Davies. I don't really know how to introduce myself, but hey. <laughs> and finally, I'm Russell, and I will be trying to marshal this bunch into some <laughs> kind of shape. Good luck. Let's see what happens. Pray for him, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> How exciting. So first up, we've got some uh, news to talk about. So while the cinemas are closed and there's uh, been a slowing of new films, this hasn't stopped our beloved genre from chugging along. There will be always be news to discuss, and so we've picked out what we are getting excited, intrigued, cons- or concerned about in recent weeks. So Vincent, what is your news pick of the day? My news pick of the day um, is um, a piece that came up a couple of days ago on one site, then came up on another one, and as getting further discussion just um, well more even more recently um, from, uh, from yet another site and this relates to the possibility of some marvelous horror um for dr strange in the multiverse of madness has had its release date announced um and this is a film where discussions about whether it's going to be potentially horror have been going on for a while. Um, the original director, Scott Derrickson, who uh, directed the first Doctor Strange um, and was recently identified as having directed the scientifically most frightening film of all time in Sinister. Google that, people, if you haven't already. Um, Derrickson directed the first Doctor Strange and was lined up to direct the second one, but then left um, at the start of 2020 um, over that old favourite creative differences. Then he's been re- he was replaced with Sam Raimi, who is you know well known for his dabblings in the uh, superhero genre, but even better known for his time in the horror genre. And so speculation's been going on since then, and some uh, recent um, fan posts uh, were putting forward the idea that it, there is going to be um, some horror aspects to um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, including there's been some fan art appearing, suggesting possible um, posters. Now, I have to say, much as I would like it to see um, a um, horror-esque Doctor Strange film, um, and goodness knows the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shown that it can bring in all manner of other genres so far, I'm sceptical because... Uh, this is in the end going to be this is going to be a disney product it's um they've got they know their target audience they've got the sort of product that works um and has continued to work very successfully so i'd be kind of surprised if um disney um allowed it to go into proper horror territory but having said that there's one thing that uh 
Um, I, I certainly find that um, the MCU manages to do it surprise me. So I remain sceptical, but not cynical. I hope that uh, we'll get some, at least some horrific elements um, in the multiverse of madness. Sure, and I'm always game to watch another Sam Raimi. He's always a fun director, so I am at least intrigued in this, if not quite as excited as with other films. Anyone else got any thoughts about Doctor Strange 2 being a bit horror-tastic? Well, as the resident Marvel shill, I'm pretty excited for this. And I think the intent is certainly there from the title, which invokes John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. And with Sam Raimi directing, I think the possibility is there. How much horror, how effective is another question, but I'm very hopeful. And I do wonder how it's going to deal with um, bringing the multiverse elements together and hope it doesn't do too much setup for the future and the possibilities of what's coming in. But I'm optimistic. I'm more excited about this one than the first Doctor Strange movie. I'll give it that. Um, I'd like to see how they... Um, is this one coming out before or after Spider-Man 3? I assume because Spider-Man 3, I think, is filming now. It'll come out after. So... The whole kind of rumour behind Spider-Man 3 is it's going to be Spider-Verse. Doctor Strange is in Spider-Man 3. So I want to kind of see how they kind of mould it from the Spider-Verse kind of storyline into the, the uh, multiverse of madness. Because this is how they're going to probably bring in X-Men and Fantastic Four and Galactus or whatever, whoever they're going to decide to bring in for their big big bad at the end of it. I'm, I'm intrigued. Sam Raimi did a good job on Spider-Man. You know, we all know him quite well for Spider-Man outside of Evil Dead. Not strange as a character I don't really like, but the idea and the kind of thought process behind it, I'm, I'm, I'm all game for it. James, what's getting you interested in the last couple of weeks in horror? If you'll remember, one of the earliest casualties of COVID affecting cinemas and release dates was the second Quiet Place film, which was due to come out, ooh, I think it was eight, April? but got pushed back to August and I believe is currently slated for next year. So while we await while we await that film to be released, interesting news has come out that indie director Jeff Nichols, who's best known for films such as Loving, Midnight Special and Take Shelter, is Set is going to write and direct a spin-off set in the Quiet Place universe based on an idea from John Krasinski, who was the original writer-director and star of the first film and returns to write and direct the second film. Now, this is, an, this is interesting because, firstly, we now have a Quiet Place universe and it does seem like John Krasinski is the auteur of that universe is his idea his putting it out there for other people to take the bat on and build what they can with it on one hand i'm wondering how much more we need to see of people trying to keep quiet against these evil alien bastards who react to the slightest sound on the other it's a Jeff Nichols film, so we should at least get Michael Shannon in this universe, and Michael Shannon against those aliens will be interesting. And the further thought is, I always wondered what would hap- how 
a person would cope with basic bodily functions like coughing or farting or ga- simple gassy noises you can't help. And if this film addresses that, then I'm game. Yeah, I rewatched Quiet Place the other day and I don't really think I need multiple sequels to it. I just, it was nice to have an original idea play out. But as you say, the director has got these amazing films to his name. So maybe this will be the film that proves you can have a cinematic universe off of this one idea. I mean, on the one hand, I I would, I am intrigued to see, um, certainly, well, certainly see A Quiet Place too. Um, although I think they missed a trick not calling it A Quieter Place, but whatever. Um and a, a spin-off, which uh, shows perhaps how other people have been affected by this invasion, um, certainly has potential, I suppose. Maybe it could be it could turn into sort of like a, um, maybe we think of it similar to um, uh, George A. Romero's um, Dead trilogy. Um, in the, the, those we see different stages of the zombie outbreak in that. Maybe this can be different stages or different areas of the um, sound hunting monster um, invasion. Um, I must say, though, uh, uh, James, I'm intrigued by the point you raised about you want to see how people would manage the sort of, um, you know, daily bodily functions. Um, because is that like a Jeff Nichols thing? I've seen Midnight Special and uh, I think a few others of his, but um, I, the bodily noises thing never really stood out to me, but maybe they did to you. No, it's just a stray thought I had with the first film and I was just trying to be funny. My news pick is that Seth Rogen is producing a horror film for Lionsgate, which is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, it sounds exactly like Final Girls. Um, it's, a, it's called Video Nasty, and it's a meta-horror about three teens who get pulled into a VHS date, but it's a slasher film. Um, and it's yeah. actually written by the guy who's doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. So he hasn't done anything before this, so it'll be interesting to see I mean, if he's got something that big, I'm assuming he's an alright writer. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, there's a Texas Chainsaw reboot, another one. Yes, there is. I have no idea how many they've had. Okay. Yeah, um, and it's also, well, they haven't confirmed a director yet, but it's possibly Jonathan Levine, who worked on Fifty Fifty, And I think it's pretty cool because, I mean, although he's only producing it, he's also, he's created Preacher before, which definitely has genre elements and it's definitely got horror in there and he's like written for that and stuff so i think he kind of knows what he's getting to and i think that'd be kind of cool to bring that to it um and also a lot of like actors who are getting who are known for comedy are getting into horror like a lot more like we started out with like jordan peele we're kind of going on with um you know the people who did halloween we had like danny mcbride got involved and everything like that it's really weird like we had random acts of violence and I think Dave Franco's also had one come out, so it's just kind of interesting that all these like comedy actors are sort of suddenly flocking towards horror. Um, maybe it's just because it, they are quite similar in some ways, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, Chris Rock's doing, you know, the new Saw movie. Yes, that too. Yeah. I suppose it comes down to that fine line between laughter and being horrified. It's too really strong emotions films can make you convey and they can be pretty divisive with audiences i think you um, raise a good point there chloe that's um which others have picked up on as well that the the 
there is a lot of crossover, it seems, between um, horror and comedy, and it's not anything new. I mean, prior to um, his Oscar-winning direction for The Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme had mainly directed comedies. Um, Sam Raimi has been doing horror, was doing horror and comedy, really, if we go back to him, thinking of The Evil Dead. Um, it's, um, it's there, There's a lot of parallels, I think. I remember this weird sort of mockumentary that was on the BBC long ago where Rowan Atkinson was kind of describing the, um, going through this, um, the details of um, comedy and was drawing some quite effective parallels between comedy and horror. Um, things like sudden appearances can make us go ha or ha, um, and the and sort of the interplay of uh, of wit um, along with um, scares can be um, uh, <clears throat> is something that a lot of um, creators turn to. So yeah, I, I the 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 parallels between comedy and horror, and indeed the crossover in terms of talent is I, th- I think something to uh, that is yeah definitely intriguing and enjoyable. And of course, there's a Pemberton and Shearsmith who have made a career out of making deeply uncomfortable comedies that are just yeah, such a wonderful blend of horror and comedy. Yeah. Mark, what is your news story of the day? Anne Hathaway's fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that Good. what you should call the podcast? <laughs> That's what your mother podcast. It's all about fingers. No. Um, so the witches. Has obviously recently been released. Um, a lot of controversy over the use of free fingers. Um, and Halfway's had to make a public apology to people with uh, limbs missing, kids who you know, unfortunately have got you know deformed hands or deformities. Personally, I, I feel like nowadays we things have to be are more controversial than they have to be. I mean, I know the book doesn't have lack of fingers but they're trying to maybe kind of do a visual effect here to try and make the the villains of the, of the piece a bit more scary but i don't know what you guys guys think i mean obviously you know yes yeah, she might have three fingers but she also in the other books doesn't have the big kind of shark-like face which a great effect you look, look at the effects of the actual uh you know taking takes so long to do the makeup for what she has had to do and you know she looked good it looked creepy but I can see it is a kids' movie. It can, you know, maybe cause some upset. What, what, what would you guys think about it? Well, I have not yet seen um, the new version of The Witches, um, though I did see the recently see the Nicholas Roeg film. Um, it seems I, I totally get where um, the perspective is that um, the practice of dis, of displaying some kind of in massive scare quotes deformity um, as evil is a really long-lasting and really problematic feature um, um, in cinema in general. So there's that side of it. But in another way, just from a purely dramatic and aesthetic perspective, it's kind of lazy. In the earlier film version, and indeed in the Roald Dahl novel, witches are described as they don't have nails, they have claws. That's a suitable effect. You know, give them like, you know, talons and you will have a creepy effect. The The three fingers, it feels like sort of something very obvious like uh there we go that looks freaky um so it seems, i think lazy and careless and so i've got an issue with it both from a dramatic perspective but i think also it is again perpetuating this very unfortunate stereotyping of oh look there's a physical deformity that means evil because when you think about it just describing it in those ways that is massively problematic and i think we can do better i think it also comes down to um 
that thing of people with disabilities don't have aren't don't have a lot of positive representation so all they pretty much get is bad guys who have some kind of physical physical disability which is just a shorthand to say bad guy and the bond franchise has been quite guilty of it in the past and there's plenty of other ways you can go with it and it doesn't hurt to have um people with disabilities in good guy roles um actual prominent roles rather than just oh look we're well let's place them in a corner and that's representation happy there's just so much more you can do with it Sure. And um, there is a lack of representation of any kind for people who have different conditions. Um, but this for me feels a bit like with when Peter Rabbit came out, there was an uproar around the fact that there's a bit when uh, the rabbits poison Donald Gleason with blackberries, blueberries, one of the two, because he's allergic to them. And the issue for me there was not quite that this scene was in it. It's just that Peter Rabbit was a shit film. And that was more my issue of it. So I'm curious to watch the new witches. I don't know how I can match up to the last one because the last one is fucking terrifying and <laughs> haunts me to this day. Um, yeah, but I think that it might just show a bit more of a laziness in general when it comes to this version of the witches that it is just feeding into previous stereotypes that exist within Hollywood and are less compelling now and less interesting. We want more rounded more equal representation of our world because we all want to be seen as heroes as well as villains. Cool. This is a good point for me to move on to my news. It's not linked. It's talking about Ben Wheatley's rather bizarre left turns of his uh, directing career. So obviously Ben Wheatley is the beloved film director for our genre who did Kill List and that sort of gives him like a green card and a, a pass to do whatever he wants next. And he's got some odd choices. So on the one hand, he's made a pandemic-based horror with Reese Shearsmith called In the Earth, which was made entirely in lockdown over like 11 days and sounds very exciting. But on the other, he's signed up for both Tomb Raider 2 and Meg 2, The Trench. And I, I haven't seen the first Tomb Raider, can't really comment on the quality. But I, I had a whale of a time with the first Meg, but it's not a not a good film. It's just a fun film. And it feels strange for me that the guy who made for so much of his career these strange British kitchen sink horror comedy mesh-ups. So there's Kill List, there's Down Terrace, there's Sightseers. There's even High Rise, which while has a, a bigger budget and a more lavish cast, it still feels decidedly British and kitchen sinky. He's now gone off to make blockbusters. So I'm intrigued, but also a bit weirded out that Ben Wheatley is going off to make big blockbuster sequels to uh, slightly iffy originals. I quite liked Tomb Raider. I think it matched the games a bit more than kind of obviously the Angelina Jolie ones. It kind of fits in more with a new, newer kind of direction that they're going with it. I'd be interested to see. He's, he's got quite a dark aesthetic to his movies, so I'd like to see where he might go with that, make it a little bit darker than what it could, what, what it could be dark-wise. Meg was not a fan of. So hopefully you can come in and make it a little bit better. But, you know, yeah, I'm all up for it. It's it's interesting direction, but, you know, working with a budget, we'll see what you can do. Yeah, I guess I wish he would get like a Marvel or a DC film because then I think he'd be 
Well, I want to see Ben Wheatley does Avengers, frankly. That'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Maybe if we get uh, Captain Britain at some point in the future, he could uh, be brought in to direct that. I'll tell you what, though, um, if he were going to do something, uh, do a Marvel or DC installment um, to have had the back in his back catalogue, the Meg 2 and Tomb Raider 2, no bad thing. Um, I liked the um, the first Tomb Raider okay. I just thought I, there's nothing I haven't seen done elsewhere and done better. So to have a director with a more um, with a more distinctive style come in for Tomb Raider 2, um, I think could be certainly interesting. I enjoyed the Meg a lot, more than I expected, actually. Um, and again, I think, it, and considering Wheatley's ability to take places like, you know, interiors of homes and field, and, and indeed a field in England, and turn them into something seriously sinister, just think what he can do in the, in the deep depth of the, in the dark depths of the sea. Um, it could very much play to his strengths. I, uh, I, I, I'd quite look. I quite look forward to that deep dive. Where hey? <laughs> now it's interesting that Ben Wheatley's gone from such kitchen sink drama like Down Terrace to such a big, but big budget splash like the Meg Two, while following <laughs> on from Tomb Raider Two. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I liked Tomb Raider. I didn't care for the Meg, but I can't say I was interested enough to be in for a sequel until Ben Wheatley got attached. So I'm waiting for the next film that Ben Wheatley gets attached to to actually make me give a shit about a sequel. But at the same time, I'm wondering... Ben Wheatley's been attached to a lot of things in the past. Um, He was meant to do a Wages of Fear remake... And I just wonder whether how far these two are going to get and whether we'll actually see them because I don't think they've gotten any further with Tomb Raider 2 as of speaking. But I'm very interested to see where Ben Wheatley goes because as with his pandemic film, it doesn't seem like he's going to transition straight to blockbusters only and leave behind the interesting work he did when given free reign we'll have to wait and see it could be fun or it could be not so good uh so our next section section is entitled something old something new and something not a movie and in this because there is a lot for horror fans to digest right now perhaps slightly too much we're going to pick out a few of our favorite Things, a few that we've enjoyed watching the last couple of weeks. So we've got a recommendation that's something old that can be found on a streaming platform for you. Something new that's coming out or is out now. As well as something horror-related that it isn't a film. So it could be a book, a podcast, a game, anything really. As long as it's horror or horror adjacent. So James, what is your something old, something new and something not a movie? Well, given how... 2020 has felt like uh, a decade in its own right. I feel I'm justified going back to the ripe old age of year of 2016 for our something old. And I've chosen a very interesting film by Karen Kusama called The Invitation. And the basic premise is you have Logan Marshall Green going with his new girlfriend to a dinner party with some old friends and it's hosted at the house of the ex-wife of Logan Marshall Green's character, who's there with her new partner. 
And it seems to be like a nice evening. They're all relaxed. But there's that creeping suspicion that that the new partner is up to something. Whether he is or not is best best found out for your own selves because I think this is one of the most gripping films to come out of the past decade. And it's a very good view at how we handle about handling grief and it's very ominous and tense. And oh, I don't think I've seen a more chilling final shot in a film for a long while. And that one's available on Netflix in the UK, as well as as well as to rent from usual places, and it's got a very nice second sight uh, Blu-ray out, so that's worth checking out. For my something new, I've gone for a recent addition to Amazon Prime, which is Richard Stanley's long-awaited return to filmmaking, Color Out of Space. And what is craft? is a gripping piece of cosmic horror as Nicolas Cage and his family find their farm changed by this meteorite which arrives from the well where else do meteorites arrive from the sky and it distorts the reality around them and it is realized with such lush colors and there are some nightmarish beings in this film which are so wonderfully realized and good luck getting them out your head and leading it all is Nicolas Cage really playing to his strengths both over the top and subdued and hopefully we won't have to wait that long for Richard Stanley's next film which is meant to be another HP Lovecraft adaptation and if the if Color Out of Space is any indication we're going to be in for a hell of a time for his next one and for my something horror that isn't a film, I've gone for a comic book series. It's called Deceased, and the basic idea of it is in the set in the DC world. So you got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all them fighting off against this technological version of a zombie apocalypse. And yeah, you think, oh, zombie apocalypse with those characters? Huh, I can tell none of them are gonna die. You'd think that. But this is a very brutal tale. It does not hold back with any of what happens. It it goes some interesting places. It really hammers you with emotional impact. And there's genuinely horrifying scenes in it. It's a very interesting departure for for the traditional idea of what DC Comics is. And I think it's one of the more interesting things to have come out to that publisher in the last few years obviously it's not in continuity but it's one hell of a tale i'd recommend if you want a different take on the zombie apocalypse cool sounds groovy chloe what are your picks my something old is from 2007 it's available on i think both netflix and amazon and my dog is barking so i apologize for that (laughs) it's dead silence and this is an interesting one because obviously the I mean Lee Winnell hates it um because of the studio interference that you know occurred on it but I actually still think it's a pretty solid film and I know some people hate it but I don't know I just think it has one of the best opening deaths and it's just so creepy at times like I get why people don't like it but for me I think it actually works um and my something new is his house on Netflix um which came out like last week or before 
Um, it's about this family that they're asylum seekers, well, it was a husband and wife, and they come over and they've lost a child. Um, and they sort of, this their house that they're put in is sort of like haunted, but it's actually more about how they're haunted and it's really, really depressing and intense. And But it also has like this ending that's like, oh, maybe there's some hope for them, but it's also, it's just, it's really, really relevant, I think, right now. And then my something little movie, originally I was going to pick a game called Little Hope, which is the new Dot Pitch anthology, uh, anthology game. But I've changed my mind. I'm going to go with the, since we were talking about it earlier, the Inside Number 9 scripts that just got released um, in book form. And I have the limited edition version. It's really beautiful. And I would recommend everyone to read it because if you're a fan of the show, it's like the best thing in the world. So yeah, that's it. Cool. Mark, what are your picks? My something old. I'm going to go with something we covered on the podcast a few weeks back, and that is Curse of Frankenstein. Um, over on Shudder, it's a, it's a hammer horror classic. Possibly, in my opinion, one of the best kind of Frankenstein movies that I've watched, personally. Um, hammer always do brilliant jobs on, on their movies uh, in the earlier days, and the later days weren't so great. But um, no, story is brilliant. You've got Christopher Lee in this one. You've got a whole host of okay acting but brilliant storytelling uh so that's one on shudder which i hope completely you know recommend going to see and listen to the podcast <clears throat> um you've also got something new which i'm going to go for one br or apartment one br over here because we don't know what one br means over here apparently um so that is a, a brilliant really psychological horror um about a girl who moves into an apartment um complex it already seems quite happy and quite quite pleasant, um, but actually, it's part of a of a cult, and they <laughs> try and they basically lock her in a room, try to kind of mess with her mind, uh, nail her hands to the wall, um, just so she could mentally broken down and be part of this community. We've all gone through this this whole stage. Um, and it's just a, a gripping part of her trying to escape, and does she want to be part of this community or not? And uh, brilliant brilliant film highly highly recommend it definitely go out and go and, crack, go and grab, grab that it came out recently yeah one of, one of the better films i've seen in a, in a long long time and i'm saying not a, not a movie um as obviously i run the, the bloody good reads podcast i had to go have a book the book that came in one of the boxes from our sponsor uh book club it's um junji ito's venus in a blind spot beautiful graphic novel some brilliant horror stories in there. Um, one, the first story actually is very fitting for this uh, this pandemic. It is um, basically about called Billions Alone. It's about um, basically staying indoors. Do not go out in groups of people because if you do, you'll be sewn together. Um, you also got the human chair, which is a, a really creepy story about a guy who hides in this chair that this woman's bought. Um, brilliant, brilliant story. I highly recommend it. Go out and buy the book and also go to Bumble Book Club. Yay. Um, so that's my plugs. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Vincent, what have you chosen this week? Um, for my something old, I show my age. I'm referring to a uh, film that I first saw on video, videotape, yes, mm -hmm. um, back in the summer of 1999, after its theatrical release the year before. 
Um, and this goes back to how I introduced myself as I refer to um, those motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Um, it's Stephen Norrington's Blade, um, released in 98, starring Wesley Snipes as the half-human, half-vampire, vampire slayer, which uh, Blade is a... Um, really a fantastically enjoyable film it is one it's one that really stands up and is very rewatchable um, after more than 20 years now um, it's also um, a really important film we were talking earlier about um, Doctor Strange and the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, for my money um, Blade was actually the film which laid the foundation for um, what we now understand as superhero cinema um, and one of the reasons it is that is because it combines these different elements blade is a martial arts film it's an action film it's a black exploitation film and it's a horror film and it's you know it's r-rated um, 18 rated in britain and it is not afraid to um, be gory and to be you know bloody silly <laughs> and bloody enjoyable um blade is available um on amazon and if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it for a while then i think i definitely recommend giving it a, a look because it's tremendous fun um my something new is um was my highlight of um the recent um fright fest um in october um this is the film relic uh, Relic is um, wonderfully atmospheric, very mournful, um, very um, <clears throat> frightening horror film of, um, di- of, you know, of of haunting and of body horror and of and another demonstration of what the the ultimate source of so much horror is throughout um, horror film, horror television, horror literature. So much of it comes from family. And Relic is another perfect demonstration of that. That family is a source of horror, yet also a source of regret and melancholy, but can also be a source for redemption. So Relic, um, also available on Amazon, is something that I think um, really does um, demand to be seen. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, then do, because you won't regret it. And for something not a movie, I um, if my... Uh, um, colleagues will forgive me i'm going to recommend the competition um the faculty of horror podcast is a brilliantly insightful um horror podcast hosted by um alex west and andrea supersati a couple of uh, canadian sociology um experts horror experts um feminist scholars um academics journalists they um each episode of theirs takes a look at one or two horror movies and gives it a absolutely fantastic dissection they plow they apply so many different theories they bring out so many ideas but here's the crucial thing um they don't do it in any way that is in any um sense dry or academic and i say this as an academic myself um they are hugely lively the passion for their um subject really comes through so if you like hearing um, ideas about horror and if you want to hear some people who are really insightful and intelligent and informed and passionate about their subject then i really recommend um faculty of horror podcast after you finish listening to this one obviously Fabulous. And I'll take this opportunity to plug James and Vincent's views on the Fright Fest festival that happened in uh, October, which you can find in your Snakebite horror feed down there a couple of episodes ago. Uh, my picks this week are for something old. It's not really that old. It came out last year, but it was my favourite horror of last year. And I think it is utterly phenomenal. So I'm going to take this 
chance to say go off and watch it because not enough people did when it came out. It's Mike Flanagan's take on Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining, and we jump back and find Danny as an adult dealing with all of the issues and trauma that have come about from his experiences during The Shining, and also coming into contact with other people who have a similar talent to him. And it's it's a wonderful meshing of King, Kubrick, and Flanagan, and I had such warmth and love for this film the first time I watched it and I watched it again this year and loved it even more and it's now on now tv and I think people should go off and watch it because I'm not sure if I think it's quite a horror it has horror elements but it's also just this gorgeously constructed fantasy that feels like uh, x-men but with a bit more bite I-, I love it um my something new is a film I caught the London Film Festival and is a mind-scrapingly good sci-fi horror. It's Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which has the delightful setup of uh, assassins who can jump into other people's heads, control their bodies, and kill people. And it is a wonderful watch. I had so much fun of it. It's violent and a bit odd. takes itself slightly too seriously. It's not as much fun as something as, say, Upgrade, which is a not dissimilar film, but it is... For me, my probably my favourite horror watch so far of the year and has Dan Martin's effects. And if you've watched any film that Dan Martin's on effects for, you'll know he's probably the best person around for practical effects. And this this film is outstanding. And my something not the movie is is a video game which devastated me. It utterly, utterly devastated me. It's called The Last of Us Part 2. And if you play The Last of Us, you will uh, know why it is a devastating game. It takes the jumping off point of what happens at the end of that game and then turns an entire uh, story around revenge and the toll it has on us. And it's it takes about 10 hours to become fun. It's about a 30-hour game. And by the point it gets fun, it also is uh, deeply upsetting at the same time. And if you like any of the characters, expect them to either die or not to be happy at the end. It's It has an emotional toll that very few games have. And... While I didn't love playing it, I admired it and thought it was brilliant and probably the best game I've played in years. So that's my something, uh, not a movie. So those are our recommendations. They are all either out now or coming out soon. Um, We're now going to move on to our final section, which as it is our first ever episode, woo, we're going to let you know what we think are our favourite films. So we've each picked two films that we love and return to again and again and again, just to give an idea of our sort of taste of what we like. So first up, Chloe's going to tell us her favourite two horrors. I mean, it was tough to put it down to two, but I'll say it's either Evil Dead 2 or Lost Boys, because they're great. (laughs) Evil Dead 2 is like a perfect movie. It's like the best black comedy. Um, And... Lost Boys is just brilliantly 80s and just really amazing. I can't even, like, it's just, it's way funnier than I imagined. I only first saw it last year and it was just so much funnier than I could have imagined. I think, um, is it Corey Feldman? He's great in it. He's just, he makes me laugh so much. And yeah, I just think it's, I think that one's also perfect. (laughs) Mark, what are your top two horrors? I'd always say Scream 2. It's my favourite horror of all time. So... That's going to be my top one. Uh, absolutely love Scream 2. Don't know why. Always find it the best one out of all of them. Um, and 
my second pick is more recent. It's Hush on Netflix, which is possibly one of the best films I've seen since Scream 2. There you go. <laughs> uh, it is, it's a really good one. Just, it is so amazing. It is so amazing. So suspenseful. The use of sound in a film about somebody who can't hear, it's, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So yeah, that's my two cho- my two choices. Vincent, what are your top two? Uh, my top two sort of come into two different categories. There's my personal favourite horror film, as in film that is one of my favourites and is a horror. Um, my it is indeed my fourth favourite film of all time, The Silence of the Lambs. Um, the Silence of the Lambs is, I think, a film that manages to be com- that, that has this incredible focus, this incredible. Um, enveloping quality that makes um, one that makes me feel simultaneously I'm being drawn into it, and it's getting into me, um, as Jack Crawford says near near the beginning. You don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Well, the Silence of the Lambs got into my head over twenty years ago, and it's never left. Um, and yet, every time I watch it, I still find something new. I still enjoy it afresh, um, from a horror perspective, from a feminist perspective, from a um, <clears throat> from a stylistic perspective, from a design perspective, from a narrative perspective, from an adaptation perspective, from a great many perspectives, The Silence of the Lambs is a film that keeps on giving. Um, my other choice is my personal scariest film of all time, my top terror, and that is Neil Marshall's The Descent. Um, this is the only film that has made me scream out loud in the cinema. If you've seen the film, you know the scene, the moment at which it would have made someone scream, um, and uh, maybe you screamed at it yourself. Um, and but it's so much more than just that single moment. Um, the descent is deeply oppressive, deeply unsettling. It's desperately sad. Going back to the idea of melancholia, it's um, great that it smashes the Bechdel test so readily and easily. Um, it is a wonderful drama. It is a great um, character piece. And it is fucking terrifying. So, yes, um, The Descent. Oh, which also put me off caving for life. <laughs> uh, James, what are your top two horrors? Well, my first one was an easy choice to make. I went for John Carpenter's classic film Halloween, which I can't. it can't be October 31st for me unless I stick this film on. It's a perfect way to show how much we you can do with seemingly so little and how you can get the pulse racing and blood pump blood pumping just from see from wondering whether you can see a face in the shadows and it i think it's just a perfect film which the franchise hasn't been able to match up to ever since 1978 and for my other film, I had a long and hard thought about it, think about it, and I went for Wreck, the 2007 film, which for me is is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Over 75 minutes, it just builds up the tension, and it just... It's, it's like this film is fingernails for digging into your arm further and further with each passing minute that by the end when it's when it 
takes the staircase into hell, pretty much. You're not removing those fingernails from your arm for a long while. And it has one of the best jump scares I've seen. If you've if you've seen the film, it you'll know exactly what it is. Great. And my top two. So my number two is The Shining, which might be the worst Stephen King adaptation ever, but it is probably the best one of the best horror films ever made. So it's not very good for the novel, but it is great as a watch. It's strange and terrifying and scares me more and more each time I watch it. Each time, When I first saw it, I didn't really get it. I thought it was uh, slow and a bit boring. And then I returned to it when I was older and I loved it. And I keep returning to it and I keep being scared by it more and more and not quite enjoying the magical power that Kubrick unleash, unleashes in it. It's It's quite something. And my favorite horror, and this is probably one of my favorite films ever made is John Carpenter's The Thing because I don't quite know how to explain how much I love this film. I love the cast. I love the ensemble. I love how it's shot. I love that uh, there's this precision to it, how it's shot, how it is so slow and meticulous in what it's choosing to show us. Its score is phenomenal. Its ending is, is heartbreaking and Everything about it is why I love John Carpenter as a director, because it's just this lean, perfect, wonderfully upsetting horror film that that shows why he is a masterful director. So, yeah, those are our favorite films. And thank you for joining us on this first ever episode of Invasion of the Potty People. We're going to be back next month for even more horror fun. But if you enjoyed our ramblings, uh, why not come seek us out? You can find us in the following places. So, Mark, where can people find you? So, obviously, you're on the Snakebite feed. You know that we had the Snakebite podcast every fortnight. But I, I want to personally put, uh, promote uh, Bloody Good Reads. It's a weekly podcast that I do. So, catch it every week on the feed, uh, wherever you get the podcasts. We've got a couple of really amazing guests coming up. We've got Mark Billingham coming up. Huge, huge, huge author. Uh, Sean Hudson, massive name in horror. Uh, so I want to push that one. Uh, you can follow me over at Snake by Horrorcast on Twitter or Bloody Good Reads on Twitter. And I get exactly the same over on Instagram. Cool. Vincent, where can people find you? People can find me um, in many, many, multi- in many parts of the multiverse. Um, specifically, if you search on uh, Twitter or Instagram for Dr. Gain, that's D-R-G-A-I-N-E, you will find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram under Dr. Gain. Um, you can also visit my blog, Vincent's Views, at vincentmgain.wordpress.com, where I post, uh, well, a discussion, where I, which is a site for media discussion. James, where can we find you? If for some reason this hasn't been enough of me for you, then I'm on Twitter and letterboxed at RoddersJ04, spelt with two Ds. And you can mainly find me on my blog, thereviewingrodders.co.uk, where there I have my reviews and articles and links to other things I've done, such as podcast appearances or articles for Fly Fidelity, reviews for Zobo with a Shotgun, or my contributions to the Snakebite review site. Fabulous. And Chloe, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at ChloeDav186, and that's kind of pretty much it right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
And you can find me each Wednesday. I release an episode under the banner of Not Just For Kids podcast, which is a podcast that looks at family films throughout the ages. And right now we're looking at the works of uh, Steven Spielberg. There's a couple of horror themed episodes in there. There's Jaws. There's uh, an episode on poltergeist and arachnophobia. There's an episode on gremlins that will be coming out soon. And yeah, just that's what I do when I'm not talking about horror films here. And you can also find me on Twitter, Russ Loves Movies, where I post every film I watch (laughs) and anything I write will end up there. And also probably some kind of not very funny ranting about politics because it winds us all up. (laughs) Fabulous. So this has been Invasion of the Potty People and the Potty People will be back very soon.